Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Now after the first period in Vancouver, it is 1-1 Ottawa and the Canucks. Mott and Norris, the goal scorers. Norris scored on an Ottawa power play. How about this for the shots, though? Senators out shooting Vancouver 24-7, but it's 1-1 after the first period. After two, Nashville and Chicago, no score. Those are the only two games tonight. The Bucks lead the Raptors 74-64. That's with about five and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Kyle Lowry hit 10,000 points with the Raptors tonight, who are 7-10 and 10 on the season. Inside sports on 630, Chet. Hockey tomorrow. Maple Leafs and Oilers at Rogers Place. 6 o'clock face-off show. The puck will drop at 8. Of course, we have it for you. And then Saturday's game, a 3.30 face-off show. And the game will begin at 5. And defenseman Darnell Nurse says, uh, yeah, we can't keep splitting. we got to win a series. Yeah, I mean, it's important. I think we talked about a couple of games ago. Um, when you drop that first one, you're you know, highly motivated coming into the second one to, to, uh, to win it because you want to you split that series. But for us, we got to find that killer instinct when we get the first one to want to pile on and get the second one. And I think that motivation, that urgency that uh, you have after you drop the first one, that's got to be our same mentality each and every night. It just can't be uh, if we lose or not. Yeah, well, they got to play a little more desperate. I, I think that goes into uh, any situation. And I remember Dave Tippett, before his first season as the head coach, he's, I, I can't remember if it was me or somebody else, but it said, okay, how, how do you improve? And he said, well, we got to win parts of games. So we got to emphasize those little parts of games. We win the last two minutes of a period if we're shorthanded or we, uh, you know, we win a, well, or any end of the period, we win a penalty kill. We, uh, we win a D zone clear when we're tired. Like you break the game down into those little chunks and try to win those little chunks. And if you look at last night's game, yeah. win the first until the first commercial break in the third period, win that don't give up a goal. Keep your lead. Instead, it was all gone. Anyway, they're back at it tomorrow. Uh, you know, look, I, I know we're kind of going through some some bad things about the Oilers. I, I still believe they can play better. Maybe I'm in loop-to-loop land and I'm going to be proven incredibly wrong. Uh, I, but I still think they can play better, and I still think they're going to be in there in the North Division because I think Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton might all, all be in kind of the same bunch here and competing for third and fourth behind Montreal and Toronto. That's how it looks for now anyway. Let us welcome back to Inside Sports our weekly guest, former goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm well. Reading yourself? I'm doing very well. I, I finally know... What I'm going to do, if you and I ever play a pickup game, a charity game, and you're the goalie <laughs> on the other team, I'm just going to make it look like I'm digging for the puck. Oh, I fell on your head and your neck, <laughs> Kelly. I'm sorry. What what happened? You mean like Glenn Anderson did all those years on me? <laughs> did he do that to you a few times? <laughs> My gosh. Like, you know, great player. Uh, in fact, kind of like a similar player 
player to uh, Matthew Kachuk that just incredible skill level, uh, passion for the game. But uh, Glenn played a, a really rambunctious style also, and he would do anything to throw the goalie off. So, yeah, it, that just occurred to me too, by the way, when you said we'll play a pickup game and then you'll just fall on me. But, uh, <laughs> man, we had so many of those great battles with uh, the Oilers, and uh, I remember Glenn well. He would come, I would have to say, in in at least my time around the National Hockey League, he would be the guy that comes to mind that uh, would go to the net the hardest that I've ever seen. He would, and it, like, as you remember, he had great speed, and when he got to, uh, going towards the net, like, he, he didn't care that there, there was a goalie standing there. He was going to do anything to get the puck behind you. So sometimes he'd finesse it in, and other times he'd just throw it in your feet and barrel you over, basically. Right. Right. Well, yeah, Anderson was great at cutting it off the wing like that for sure. Yeah, uh, Kachuk's right in the middle of everything again. That that you know, it, it wasn't a fall. I mean, he knew what he was doing with with Campbell, yeah. I'm sure. And yeah. then things got ramped up with the the muzzin puck flip yesterday. So first of all, what what do you make of first of what he did to Campbell? First of all, as a former goaltender, and you referenced you took abuse sometimes. Is that yeah? Take you to see a guy do that? Yeah, it does. Um, I, I can't lie. Um, uh, I didn't, that wasn't my favorite to play the, the game. Um, I don't think I had a comment on it though. I, uh, I, I can't remember if I did. I always, you know what? I don't know if you watch our broadcast you might add something else, but we focused on more about the Jack Campbell injury with about four minutes to go. We identified that, uh, early on that uh, he was struggling mightily. And, and I think that was my conversation point. Uh, it wasn't about the Kachuk, although uh, I wasn't a fan. It didn't really, I didn't think much of it until talk radio on Monday when uh, I was driving around running some errands on, uh, on Monday afternoon and Calgary Sports Radio was bro uh, uh, blowing up about this. And I can definitely see where fans of the least would be furious with the play, and I can also see where uh, Flames fans defend Matthew Kachuk. I will say this because I know Matthew quite well from being on charters and things like that. Here's a guy that he plays with uh, incredible passion. Uh, he has great respect for the game, and I think that's what his mom and dad, Keith and Chantel, have taught he and Brady about uh, there's history in the game and that's important and they know some of the history and, and I really respect that a ton. So when he plays like that, I give him the benefit of the doubt because he, he plays it with the right intentions. And, you know, I look at other guys around the league, like Marchand as well, same sort of player, high skilled guy feels that that's how he has to play. And he plays, they both play their best uh, doing that. And, uh, you know, you could be a guy like Ryan Hartman, uh, that's with Minnesota and he's been around for a few years now that doesn't have the skill level um, and he plays a similar way and and still effective in his own way. I know it's a long-winded answer, but you have to look at it in the proper context of what they do and what they're trying to accomplish. And then furthermore, then when you play that way and you have a, a guy like uh, Muzzin, that's an incredible hockey player, doesn't get the credit that he deserves, but well-respected for the job that he does, um, and a great leader. When he flips a puck at you, you know, he's sending you a message, and I'm perfectly fine with that, too. I, You know what? I, I see both sides of it. And uh, if you're going to play that way, you will get, uh, you know, get some, uh, some uh, pushback. 
so I guess my question would be, and look, I, I, I understand the value of having an irritant on the team. You know, certainly yeah. Zach Cassian's been suspended a couple of times yeah. as a member of the Oilers, but I, but I also think, okay, he deserved the suspension, but maybe it's good for the other team to know the Oilers have a guy who might go a little bit crazy on the team. Yes. And yep. and so, you know, if, if, if Kachuk was on a team I covered or cheered for, I'd probably say, well, I'll take him being a jerk sometimes or crossing the line because it might have value. But is it ever a distraction or is it ever too much? I mean, Muzzin flips the puck at him, he goes yeah. at him, and then he's slamming the door and he's punching the water bottles and he's throwing a tantrum down the runway. Right. Uh, it hasn't been yet. And uh, trust me, Reed, even as a Flames color analyst, I'd let you know my feelings if if I thought it uh, was a distraction or or um, if it was clearly the wrong thing to do and the integrity of the game is being challenged. And that's not the case. Um, I, I will say this about Matthew Kachuk, too. I don't think I've used this analogy uh, on your show before, but he's a guy that can get away with it to a certain degree because it doesn't throw his game off. You, we've seen players do things like that, and and then they're lost. They're, they can't play it. And the analogy I was going to use was John McEnroe, the tennis player. Um, he played with anger, and he's right. talked about it. And, uh, and, you know, that's one thing. Very few athletes can play angry, right? And although you wouldn't have known it from me being a goalie, but I played that way to a certain degree. I, I played with fire in my veins and uh, pure hatred. But these guys like Kachuk and Marchand and that, I, I don't think I've ever seen them have a bad game because they've done something on the ice in an attempt to throw the other team off. Uh, I just, I admire that so greatly because uh, it would be really easy to try and get caught up in that and then lose focus and, and not play the, the sport as well as you need to. Like th there's a real skill in that. Kelly Rudy joining us tonight on Inside Sports as the, uh, the Oilers are coming off uh, a split on a road trip. Calgary lost a couple of games to uh toronto just checking the standings i mean toronto's six and two montreal's four oh and two winnipeg's five and two perhaps not getting the same level of respect because they didn't yep. play ottawa three times they split with yes. edmonton ottawa's off to a tough tough start i mean i've started already and i know it's still relatively early but i'm wondering if this is uh toronto and montreal's division and ottawa is probably going to fall behind and the four western teams are fighting for for third and fourth. I, I know it's very early, Kelly, but that's some some my initial hot take on the division. I think that's accurate. I think I would agree with that. Um, I was really impressed with the road trip that Montreal had. Now, keep in mind, and we've seen this throughout the history of the game, sometimes you go away, have a great trip and come home and you, you, you know, you, you're not as pre prepared and uh, you know, you lose a couple, then all of a sudden what looked to be like a great start um is is not so anymore but i don't know if that's going to happen but toronto by the way i did that game again last night i know you watched them last week when they're uh, playing uh, edmonton they are just a, a really good team we knew that going in i think all of us had to make predictions before the season we said toronto was going to in all likelihood win this uh scotia north division i don't have a problem with that i, I think they're just a fantastic team but 
that's not the question about Toronto. It's what can they do when it gets really tough and uh, uh, harder hockey. I will say this. I did notice a style change, and I spoke to one of my producers that uh, does Saturday uh, Hockey Night for us, and, and we both agreed that Toronto's trying to play a much better defensive style, especially in the neutral zone. They really clog it up. Last night uh, in the first period, although Calgary had a bad start, uh, I don't think Toronto allowed them many clean entries, if, if any, in the first period. So they're really trying to do a nice job making it easier on Freddie Anderson um, and Jack Campbell when he returns. But uh, everybody else, I think, like Winnipeg, you're right about their schedule, but I really like their team. Also, I think their defense maybe isn't quite as strong as some others, but it's not as bad as people think. Uh, Derek Forbert, not a household name, but he's done a really nice job and added uh, some good minutes for uh, Winnipeg. Um, and I, I just look around. I, I'm a little bit surprised by how badly Ottawa was beaten on Monday. I, you know, I'm right. curious to watch the game today because what I commented on last Saturday about Ottawa is that for the most part, DJ Smith has been playing really, really hard. And they lost their will on Monday. And now that can happen to an inexperienced team. But that can't happen too often in this uh, league because you're going to fall far too behind this early. How's Markstrom been playing, by the way? Uh, really good. Uh, excellent. In fact, I'd say that uh, he's one of the reasons why they're uh, at 500 right now. I I'm, I'm concerned about the starts for this team. They've only played five games and you've had two games in which you didn't even start on time in the first period, not even close. And, and that's, that's troubling when we're only five games in. If, if we had 15 games be, behind us and I said, you know what, Reed, twice now they had horrible starts. Well, I guess you can kind of understand that, but in five games, that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. That's, that's still one of the mysteries to me, how teams can be vacant <laughs> I know, I'm here. Yeah. Sorry, Reed. Um, yes, I'm with you. Is, is your uh, dog attacking you right now? Yes. <laughs> well, I don't think we've ever had that in an interview before. But... That's, that's great. Well, hey, you got to roll with it. What position would the dog play if he or she were a hockey player? Rover. Yeah, there it is. Back when it was seven on seven, could play for the Ottawa Silver Seven. <laughs> right. He'd be the seventh. All right. Well, Kelly, uh, what, what do you got coming up here? Are you, uh, you got oh, I'm busy. stuff on Saturday? Oh, yeah, I'm busy. I work tomorrow. Uh, Flames are in Montreal. Then Saturday, we have three games uh, starting at five. And then uh, uh, the late game, Winnipeg and uh, uh, Vancouver, I believe, is the late game. Uh, and then I do work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday of next week. So just like yourself, just lots of hockey to cover. Awesome. We'll talk to you soon, Kelly. Thanks. Thanks, Reed. Take care, pal. That is Kelly Rudy. He joins us every week here on uh, Inside Sports. Interesting take on Matthew Kachuk. I want to get into that uh, a little bit more in a few minutes. And, of course, we talked about the uh, the North Division. And, and hey, as he said, you know, Montreal's off to a great start. They're not going to go without a regulation loss all season. So, eventually, they'll come down to earth, and we'll see how far they come down. We'll update uh, Vancouver and Ottawa. Another goal on the board there. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Uh, 
excellent guitar riff. Vancouver now up 3-1 on Ottawa, 10:49 left in the second period. Even though the Senators out shooting the Canucks, 29-14. Mentioned earlier, if you missed it, Jim Rutherford has stepped down as general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, citing personal reasons. He will turn 72 in three weeks. He was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in the builder category in 2019. Penguins so far into this season are 4-1-2. and two. Assistant GM Patrick Alvine is going to take over on an interim basis. Rutherford didn't provide a specific reason for stepping down, but he ruled out his health. He said, no health issues. I'm probably healthier than I was 20 years ago. He told that to TSN's Pierre Lebrun. So new GM in Pittsburgh, and uh, we'll see what comes next for Jim Rutherford. Big thanks to everybody who pitched in and all my colleagues here. The Chorus Radiothon in support of the Stollery Children's Hospital. The two-day total. In 22 years, the largest two-day total ever, and it's actually probably a little higher than this because this was announced just before 6 o'clock, and you could donate until 7, $1,594,848. I said the dollars in the wrong part of that. I'm not used to giving big numbers. The scores I give don't... This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Don't go into the millions. $1,594,848. There, that's the proper way to say it. My goodness. All right. So we talked a little bit there about Matthew Kachuk with uh, with Kelly Rudy, who, you know, Kelly's always very honest. He said when he played, he played with anger, played with hatred. That helped keep him sharp. And he, he understands that current players play like that and, and might cross the line at, at some time. You know, Matthew Kachuk, I'm not going to, I mean, look, I'm not going to be all high and mighty about Matthew Kachuk. As somebody who uh, is not fond of the Calgary Flames in in my personal life, I suppose, I mean, I recognize he's a great hockey player. Sure. Do I see some of the stuff Kachuk does and think, well, he's kind of a snake? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think falling on Campbell the way he did, to me, is crossing the line. I think that's an intent to injure type of play. I think there are ways to, quite frankly, be a jerk and be an irritant without trying to injure somebody or trying to do something that shady. Having said that, if Matthew Kachuk were, were on the Oilers, I'd probably be like, well, sometimes you got to be a little nuts, buddy. I mean, he's valuable because he scores and he gets points and he's an excellent hockey player and he's valuable because he can be a complete, and I'm going to use a bit of a naughty word here, he's a complete a-hole. And in pro sports, when you get into that ultra-competitive environment and hockey's an ultra-physical sport, sometimes you need one or two of those guys on your team. You know, Cassian for the Oilers at times has crossed the line. He's been suspended. Um, I think you have to be careful. I don't think you want to hurt anybody. But some players are able to put themselves at the middle of the storm and love being in the middle of the storm 
and and deal with it and get under the other team's skin. Now the Leafs got the last laugh and Muzzin with a little puck flip, very cheeky. Certainly, I wouldn't have supported him firing a full slap shot at Kachuk from that distance. But given what he did late in the game, it's saying, "Hey, buddy, we got you. You're you're on your knees in the corner, and we're going out here with four points. Here, take the puck." You know, Kachuk's reaction on the way out. All right, well, probably a little excessive, but you know, that's 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 what he's like, and and he's probably going to come out and play very well. So. I, I I didn't like the the fake fall on the goaltender. I think we all knew what he was playing there. But but a player with that edge and who can be, you know, sometimes a little bit underhanded or a bit of an irritant. I, I don't mind that. And sometimes I think the Oilers could use more of that. Somebody who can stir the pot and and mix it up a little bit. And maybe if it's not one of your top guys, you take some of the heat off them, put the attention on yourself, and they can go out there and score goals. Anyway. What's going on with minor hockey in Edmonton? Well, well, Hockey Alberta has a deadline of February 1st to make an announcement. So uh, Hockey Edmonton's general manager, Steve Hogle, is going to tell us about the impact for them, some other things they could maybe do to get kids and coaches on the ice. That's in the next half hour. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. to the middle, pass on the right, scores! Sit in front of the net to save Koskinen, rebound, scores! Right at the side of the goal, Stashney put it upstairs. Pion, pass on the left for Forbort, comes down the left wing, he'll put it in front of the net, scores! Right off of Adam Lowry, and it's 5-3 Winnipeg. Well, that was last night. Cam Moon with the call. Three goals in three minutes, 27 seconds for the Winnipeg Jets. Goals in bunches have been a problem for the Oilers. What does Connor McDavid have to say about it? I really don't think that this has been a pattern, per se. Um, you know, the other night they, they tie the game and then they get a power play and they score. Um, that's the way it goes tonight, obviously, is a different story. That You know, that's obviously what happened tonight. Um, so I wouldn't call it a pattern, really, but, um, you know, we obviously need to find a way to, you know, rebound after, you know, either a chance or a, a goal against. And um, that's where the next line's got to pick up, uh, you know, where the other line obviously, uh, you know, left off. Well, I I hate to disagree with Connor McDavid, but it is a pattern. The Oilers have played eight games this season. On four occasions, they have given up goals in bunches. First game of the season against Vancouver, they allowed two goals in a minute 51. First of two against Montreal, they allowed two goals in a minute 50. In what did turn out to be a win over Winnipeg, so the Oilers did get the job done, but they allowed two goals in a minute 13. And then last night, they allowed three goals in three minutes and 27 seconds. If it's happening in half your games, it's it's a pattern, especially when you've only played eight. So again, better defending, being more resilient, playing with more desperation, I think, are all things that the Oilers need to do. And what do a lot of players tell you? You, you want to have a strong shift after you give up a goal. Well, the Oilers haven't been able to do that. In half their games this year, they've given up one or more goals shortly after giving one up. Keep that in mind when they take on the Leafs tomorrow night. 6 o'clock face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game will begin at 8. Canucks up 3-1 on the Senators. 
with five minutes left in the second period. JT Miller has his first two goals of the year. Predators and Blackhawks now 1-1 halfway through the third. Cousins and Carpenter, the goal scorers in that one. Basketball tonight, seven and a half to go in Tampa. Milwaukee leading Toronto 96-87. Giannis Antikonupko, I think I said it properly, with 20 points for the Bucks. For the Raptors, it is uh, Powell tonight leading the way. He has 26, but the Raptors uh, trailing by nine midway through the fourth quarter. Well, it's been a tough year in so many ways, and uh, so many athletes have, uh, amateur athletes, have just not been able to compete or have started up and then had their games taken away again. Certainly the case for minor hockey around the province. With an update there, we welcome back to the show the general manager of Hockey Edmonton, Steve Hogel. Steve, how are you doing? I am excellent, Reed. Thanks for having me, as usual. Well, it's always nice to talk to you, Steve, but boy, oh boy, we have done a, a few <laughs> chats already since you came back, and I, I can't help but think, hey, I'm glad the Oilers are going, and uh, you know we're going to have this exciting Canadian division, but I can't help but sit here thinking, okay, coming up on February would be uh, you know Golden Bears and Pandas playoffs in a variety of sports. Maybe we're doing a little of ACAC and, <laughs> and see what else is going on, and that includes... You know, minor hockey, sometimes there are some great stories around this time of year and uh, it's getting towards crunch time. But, but we're not quite there. Maybe we'll get there somehow. Can, can you kind of give me a sense and the listeners a sense what we're what we're waiting for Hockey Alberta to decide here in the next few days? Well, your your comments take me back, Reed, to thinking about this time of year is usually the time where we've got you know, more than 100,000 young players across the province uh, wrapping up on the home stretch of wrapping up their seasons and, and just having a blast. And uh, you're exactly right. There's all sorts of fun on the hockey fronts on so many different areas. But, uh, yeah, we are going without right now. And uh, we had a big meeting with uh, Hockey Alberta yesterday. And uh, the minor leagues across the province uh, have agreed that uh, – Hey, we've got to uh, see something change by February 1st uh, in order to be able to salvage uh, the balance of the regular hockey season. Uh, and if we don't see that, uh, we've got to look hard to see whether anything can be saved. So um, it's it's not an ultimatum, it's just reality. So so we've got that, that deadline in place. We certainly are not looking for any kind of special treatment. Uh, we just look at other provinces and see how they've gotten their kids back on the ice in a safe fashion. Um, so Hockey Alberta has worked with Alberta Health in terms of here are some options we could look at in terms of getting those kids safely and making sure that that everybody is, is protected. So we, we've always been uh, a big fan and a big advocate of, of our health experts in the province and we've taken their messages forward to our membership. Um, again, uh, the, the health of Albertans comes first and foremost, but uh, we, we're really desperate to see if we can find a way to get those kids back on the ice before all is lost. Okay, so let's say you, you can go ahead, maybe starting, ne- well, we'd say there's a go-ahead next week. A- at this point, going into February, what can you do to make it a worthwhile, if that's the right word, meaningful type of season? Yeah, uh, it's a real valid question, and I think at this point, we've got a lot of people that just want on the ice for almost anything, uh, but you're right. What shape would that take? And, and we could see where 
uh, we could get back on the ice, uh, you know, to fit within some health regulations where we'd have a limited number of people uh, in a group, uh, like that cohort hockey that we had earlier. We could see where we would have to be physically distanced uh, so you're not running any uh, uh, scrimmages at, at a practice. You're doing developmental drills uh, where you can keep your distance from other players. We could see a scenario where coaches have to wear masks on the ice in the building at all times. Uh, maybe the adults have to stay outside the building and not go into the building. So those are some of the options that Hockey Alberta has taken forward to their counterparts at Alberta Health uh, and some of the things that are being banded about as possibilities. So it would largely look like, I believe, um, if we got the permissions, a development kind of feel to begin with, hopefully evolving, if the numbers keep trending in the right direction, hopefully evolving into some game situations. Okay, and are we talking about, could, could there be extended spring hockey? I mean, I don't know if kids in Paris want to play that bad. Like, could yeah. we play it yeah. in June even? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there is an appetite. And there are also uh, some people that say, hey, my kid goes to play baseball or soccer or whatever, which we totally respect. Um, so, so we have talked about, in terms of the regular season, an extension, depending again, when we get notice, if we can kick in with the regular season, we've talked about an extension to that regular season, but we're also now entertaining options for spring where um, the vast majority of our, of our membership do want to play some hockey uh, into the spring. Uh, as I say, there's others that want to go play other sports, which we endorse. Um, so what could we do in the spring? So we think the most logical, manageable way to do it is to have an opt-in opt-in program so so the other kids that, that want to go do other things they can head off and do that for those that want to keep on playing hockey they opt into this program and again the shape of that program will be dictated by the health measures uh, that are in place and that's assuming obviously that we can't it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get back on the ice. So it could take the shape of three-on-three -three hockey, for example, or a skills development program. Okay. Well, ho hopefully they can, uh, they can do something like that. And I mean, I assume, um, would you have access to all your ice surfaces most of your ice surfaces i mean, maybe i'm getting ahead of myself here but how, how would that look well but you're right because we have to have those surfaces to be able to do anything so uh the city of edmonton are uh the people over there have just been dynamite to work with and they've been patiently waiting for us to determine what we want to do and we're sort of patiently waiting for the province to say what we can do. So the city has signed off on some of its spring and summer contracts with those users. They have held some sheets of ice back for us, waiting to hear from us. So uh, we do have facilities at this point in time uh, to be able to uh, accommodate a spring program. Um, and, and the balance of the season, if we could kick in, that's, that's still taken care of no problem uh, and we do have some sheets for the spring program as long as we can decide this in relatively short order right 
Man, well, you, pick, you picked a heck of a time to take the job, Steve. But, uh, but I know you're navigating it all the all the all the best you can. And it's, it's just tough that um, I, I mean, I guess if kids, if it is kind of a lost year, they're they're still going to age normally. Like there won't you won't adjust any. There won't be any adjustments for okay. If you were going to go to Bantam, you'll still go to Bantam. You won't stay in Pee Wee. You know what I'm getting at? Everything, everything yeah. age normally, so to speak. Yeah, I know that conversations happened out in some quarters. It, it hasn't been discussed at a, at a hockey Alberta level yet. Um, you know, there's, there's just some chatter at this point. But uh, so, so you're right. It would be status quo as is. But you know, our membership has been uh, very, very patient, very supportive, but also very frustrated. Uh, and they know what this game does for their kids' well-being, both physically and mentally. And so, um, and, 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 and they just get uh, a little upset when they look over at a, a place like BC where, you know, they see groups of 50 kids skating on there. It's physically distanced, uh, but in a safe manner. So uh, uh, they're anxious. They're anxious for some resolution here. Yeah. Well, Steve, we always appreciate the update. Uh, you know, obviously, we'll, we'll keep in touch because and help you get the word out. But hopefully, there is something, and all these uh, all these youngsters and all the coaches are out there on the ice in some form pretty time soon. We really appreciate it. Well, appreciate it, Reed, for my quarters as well because it's such a great platform to get the word out uh, to so many of uh, the people in the hockey community and beyond uh, to let them know that while we want to get back on the ice. We always maintain the health of everybody comes first. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, Steve. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. That is Steve Hogel, the general manager of Hockey Edmonton. So maybe a little more clarity on their future next uh, next week when Hockey Alberta makes a decision. But yeah, such a tough winter for uh, for all the kids and parents and coaches and all that kind of stuff along the way. It is 7.45. We will uh, update the scoreboard for you when we get back. A couple other thoughts inside sports on 6.30, Chet. After two periods, now Vancouver leading Ottawa 4-1. And about three minutes left in the third, Nashville and Chicago tied 1-1. See if we have a resolution in that game before we hand it over to Adler tonight. Thanks so much for listening. We'll have the Oilers and the Leafs in this time slot tomorrow. Those two teams will play again on Saturday. Ottawa is here on Sunday, and then the Senators here also on Tuesday. That's the Oilers' upcoming four-game homestand. All right. Uh, I was watching, I know it came out a couple of weeks ago. I've been the final probably uh, 15 or 20 minutes. I often watch it with the uh, subtitles on while I'm running on the, the treadmill. I've been watching the Tiger Woods documentary put out by HBO. Uh, apparently 15 majors and 15 mistresses or more for Tiger Woods. It uh, it covers a lot. It, it covers a lot, a, a lot of the second part if you haven't seen it, is about his uh, extramarital affairs. And he had many of them, apparently, along the way. And, uh, of course, uh, that led to his marriage ending. And uh, it goes through his his uh, surgeries for his knee, his back surgeries, uh, a lot of the footage of him in pain golfing, crumpling over after shots, all that kind of stuff. 
and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of video from the night he was placed under arrest when he was uh, driving with all those prescription drugs in his system. And uh, yeah, there's dash cam footage from him being arrested, uh, stuff of him in the cell, and he was out of it. Like it's scary that he was behind the wheel of a car. It's it's you know those stories are kind of interesting. He's he's a celebrity. He's a top athlete. And their personal lives are be are, are going to be part of their story, and and people have that need for knowledge. It is it it is interesting to see the the whole story with Tiger Woods and and the impact his dad had on him. And you know his dad would have been considered one of those pressure crazy parents. I mean, it was pretty much golf or nothing else for Tiger. There's one. There's a story in the first part of the documentary where they interviewed one of Tiger's uh, former teachers, I think an old kindergarten teacher who said a young Tiger Woods went to her and said, can you tell my dad I want to play sports other than golf? <laughs> and she did. And Earl Woods uh, just basically said it's golf. So, you know, he, he wouldn't have been become what he has become without his dad for sure. Um, maybe you can question some of the pressures and the tactics along the way, but I, 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 I guess I, I'm at the point where I, I separate uh, the, the person from the player. I, I think, you know, and, and look, we're not talking about someone who was revealed to be a serial killer or something like that. Uh, you know, morally, do I think everything Tiger Woods did was perfect or right? Well, no, of course not. I mean, he, he hurt his wife. He hurt his kids. He let down a lot of people. Absolutely. But for me, what am I going to remember of Tiger Woods as a golfer? Well, I think he's the greatest of all time. Quite frankly, I think Tiger Woods is the greatest athlete of my lifetime. I was born in 1974. I can't really remember anything before about 1980, except we had a dog named Chico. But for me, there's no one. And look, I'm, I'm including Gretzky. I'm including Magic. I'm including Montana. I'm including Brady. I'm including LeBron, all the all those guys, whoever you want to talk about. To me, what Woods has accomplished is the most dominant, winning 15 major golf tournaments, winning four in a row at one point. He had a stretch of 11 majors where he won seven of them. I mean, there are some great, great golfers who have won one major, two majors, zero majors. Greg Norman, incredible golfer, won two majors. You know, Nick Faldo won six, and that's considered, wow, amazing. Phil Mickelson, great career, five majors. Tiger Woods has won 15. Okay, he's at this point, it's highly, highly unlikely as he's into his mid-40s that he ever passes Jack Nicklaus's 18. But I, I just think in the people that I have seen and continued success and dominance it's Woods. And whenever I bring this up, I know there are some people who don't think golf is a sport. Well, it's not a team sport. There's, you know, no physical confrontation involved. I get it, but that's just not my opinion of the game. I think it's an incredibly difficult game. You have to have physical and ability and athleticism to excel at it. And you have to have incredible mental strength. And that's often what separated Tiger from the rest now it also allowed him to compartmentalize all his you know affairs and all those issues and then still go out there and golf but no one at his peak played golf the way he did and then at other points in his career one i mean even after he had the surgeries he came back and was the leading golfer a couple of years and then he wins the the masters in 2019 
in his mid forties. So he's, he's a figure that I've always found very interesting. I think his ability is compelling to watch. I've, I've never so much, I never so much cheered for Tiger Woods during his peak. And it wasn't that I was cheering against him. It was just, you knew he was going to win his share of the tournaments. I liked to seeing the, seeing the players who challenged him, you know, whether it was Mickelson or Els or Chris DeMarco had a couple of great battles with Tiger, uh, Bob may out of nowhere at the 2000 PGA, you know, the, the Y E Yang beating Tiger to win the PGA was, uh, I think in a later or nine, just, you know, all, all those great stories around the sport that he created. And his story is one of extreme imperfection. As wonderful as he was as a golfer, um, he certainly ha- has had several stumbles as a human being. A lot of stories in the documentary that he ended relationships, not just romantic relationships, but friendships, business relationships. And in Tiger's mind, when they were done, they were just done. You know, there was no, okay, well, things have changed, but we're still kind of friends or we're still going to get along. No, when he was done, he was done with you. And he moved on. And, and that did some interviews in that documentary, very hard on some people, but I, I'm enjoying watching it. And again, to me, Woods is just a very uh, compelling figure. And uh, I think the greatest, if you don't want to call golfers athletes, well, I disagree with you, but the greatest sports figure uh, in my lifetime, that's certainly how, how I think of him. I was also a little shocked today, Kellen. I don't know if you saw this trending today. I'm seeing it on social media right now. Halsey is pregnant. Oh. Halsey is pregnant. But, okay. yeah, I, I had to do a double take there, too. It's not our Halsey. Thank goodness. <laughs> do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, that would be the singer, would it not? Yes, there's a singer named Halsey. Okay. H-A-L-S-E-Y. It is not Brian Hall is not pregnant. Maybe that could be the sequel to Junior. Remember where Schwarzenegger was pregnant that in that movie? That was the movie I was trying to remember, yeah. Like, maybe they do a was Junior it, remake uh, of Halsey. Who instead. else was in that? Emma Thompson. Was DeVito in that one? Or yes, was that just DeVito? I, I, no, I yeah, think so De- he was in it, yeah. And DeVito and Schwarzenegger were also in Twins, right? Yeah, that was, they had a, the, the, I think they both those movies came out within the same time period or very close no, to No, no, I think Twins was much earlier, wasn't it? Yeah, was Twins it? was 88, Junior oh. was 94. I just oh, wow, okay, okay. Yeah, so Junior was Schwarzenegger, DeVito, and Emma Thompson, and Schwarzenegger is pregnant in Junior, and in Twins, Schwarzenegger and DeVito are twins who were separated at birth. And uh, Ivan Reitman directed it. I, I'm sure I saw it when I was in junior high. I'm sure yeah, I thought Twins it was funny at the time. I had no <laughs> idea. If, I, I don't know if it's actually a good movie. I, I don't really remember anything about it. So anyway, mm. Halsey is pregnant, but not our Halsey. So if anybody says that to you at work tomorrow, you, you or I guess a lot of you are working from home, or maybe I, I would say just everybody do me a favor. Everybody text two people and tell them <laughs> to text two people and just say, hey, uh, Halsey is pregnant, but I just want to clarify, it's not Brian Hall. No. Then, gotta... we just, then we just spread that out there. <laughs> so we got 14 people listening to Inside Sports. They text two, that's, uh, that's 28, and on and on we go, and then we'll cover most of our listing area. And then everybody throughout the evening can breathe a sigh of relief, or when they see the headline, they won't be confused. That makes Halsey sense. Halsey is pregnant, but it's not, it's not Brian Hall. I'd go old school with the MSN messenger myself, but hey, that's what I do. I don't know what that is. Okay, 
We're winding her down. Just uh, quickly here, checking if we got a final. No, it's going to overtime. Blackhawks and Predators tied 1-1. And uh, the Raptors are going to lose. It's in the final 10 seconds. They're down 113-105 to the Bucks. 6 o'clock face-off show tomorrow. 8 o'clock puck drop. Oilers and Leafs at Rogers Place. Thanks to Kelly Rudy and Steve Hogle for joining me tonight. Thanks to everybody who called and texted in as well. We'll see if the Oilers... Can do better tomorrow night. And don't forget Bob Stoffer as orders now from noon to two. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. My name's Reed. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.